Well, over the last few weeks in this series on foodies, hopefully after the services, you've been enjoying some good taste in food and meeting some people in the People's Church family. We're going to continue on, and this message today is called Family Dinner. Family Dinner. How many of you guys had family dinners growing up? When you were younger, you had family dinners, right? Some of us still try and do it today. Family dinners can be challenging to get everybody going different directions to come to one table at the same time. It could be challenging to do that. At our house, it is, and so we've been trying to implement some new best practices to make sure everybody comes. Because Allison, one of my daughters, Allison, she wants to have family dinner every single night. It's like, oh, it, 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 uh, are we all going to be together? Are there games tonight? Are we all going to have dinner? And is it going to be a short dinner or long? When she loves it, anything less than a 30-minute family dinner, she feels like she got cheated and robbed. I mean, she doesn't like it. And then there's Jordan, the little guy, who he can eat and be done in about five minutes. And he's like, I'm good. I'm out. Let's go do something else. And so Casey has implemented the 20-minute rule. We're going to sit down at this table. You can eat as fast as you want to, but you're not getting up for 20 minutes. So we're going to do that at the family dinner table. Funny things happen at the family dinner table. I know some of you, different backgrounds, maybe you didn't have family dinners when you grew up. Uh, maybe there've been different seasons when you did or you didn't for me when I was out of college, single days and away from family, you know, wasn't a whole lot of family dinners going on unless somebody in the church was nice enough to invite me over. Thank the Lord for those grandmas in the church who would cook and say, come on over here, you skinny youth pastor. Let me help you out just a little bit. And I remember one time I got invited by a family from the church over to their house for dinner. When I got there and, and was interacting with them, I realized this family doesn't come very often, so it's, it's good to get to meet them. I just noticed that I don't see them at church a lot, but came time, the, 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 the lady of the house, the mom was putting the food on the table, and, and I don't know if it's like a teenage daughter or somebody, you know, a young uh, daughter, and the kind of daughter said, uh, is it time to eat? She said, yes, yeah, so let's go ahead and turn off the TV and come to the table. And the girl was like, why do we have to turn off the TV? I was like, oh, yeah, I don't typically turn off the t- I could tell, you know, that she was trying to do her best for the pastor. But I thought, oh, I see it. And she's like, oh, we're going to come to the table. She's like, why we got to come to the table? I was like, oh, I see. She got everything ready. And everybody said my favorite part was when she said, okay, well, let's, uh, I, let's, let's pray. Let's, let's say the blessing. And the little boy said, we never pray when we eat. Oh, it was just so perfect. I love this. So family dinner times can be interesting. They can be entertaining. They can be a lot of fun. And as we come to the book of Acts together today, we're going to be looking at this thought of how God wanted to redefine for his church what it meant to come together for a family dinner. He's making it clear that we are one family with one mission. One family with one mission. And that sounds so great. It sounds like it's, uh, uh, you know, so easy to do. It's so simple, but it, it's actually easy to get off track with family dinners. We can quickly become distracted. We could even become divided. And we live in a culture that is experiencing a lot of division today. Genders are divided, politicians are divided, races are divided, nations are divided, even churches in a lot of cases are divided. How many of you understand today that that is not the way it's supposed to be? That is not the heart of God or his plan for his people. And while I recognize that there are no easy solutions or, or, or quick solutions to remedying a culture of division or bringing about unity of heart and unity of mission, 
We can always find God's answers by looking to God's word. So we're going to look at the book of Acts in this powerful moment in the early church. We're going to be encouraged to align our hearts together for God's mission. On your way to Acts chapter 10, let me give you a quick summary uh, of just some things that have happened and set the stage for what we'll read in Acts chapter 10. Beginning in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, this is Jesus talking to his his, uh, disciples, his followers, after he had been raised from the dead and before he ascended back to heaven to be with the Father. He's talking to them, and he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. Come on, shout power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, look at this key word, you will be my witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is someone who tells or testifies, tells the story of what they've seen or heard. And so Jesus is saying, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to supernaturally enable you to tell the story and the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the love and the hope of Jesus Christ, to share the grace of God with people. Look what he says. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then secondly, in all Judea and Samaria. And then thirdly, to the ends of the earth. And as you read through the book of Acts, that is exactly what happened. It says in Acts chapter 2 and and chapter 4 as well, those chapters that Jerusalem experienced revival. They experienced an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit and thousands were saved. The next step in chapter 8, verses 1 and following, the Samaritans began getting saved as the gospel spread throughout Samaria and Judea. And now it's time for it to go to the next level to reach even the Gentiles. And this is where it gets tricky because the Jews could not imagine that the gospel would be even for the Gentiles. They just couldn't get their minds around that. They had a hard time understanding it because Jews considered Gentiles to be an unclean people. People who did not love God, people who did not worship God, people who were far from God, and as a result, the Jews wanted to be far from the Gentiles. It was not only a struggle for the Jews in general, but it was a struggle for Simon Peter in particular. And we're going to see and learn from his story how he was taught and really instructed by God of what it means to have a family dinner that honors the king. One day when Peter was spending time in prayer, God gave him a vision. And this is where something begins to shift. And can I just give you a side note to say that in order for our perspective to be more like God's, we need to spend more time in the presence of God. In order for my perspective to change, in order for my thought pattern to be stretched, in order for me to get over myself, I need to spend less time just going about doing my own thing and more time aligning my heart with his. Peter was spending time in prayer when God gave him a vision. Let's pick that up in Acts chapter 10, verse 11. It says, Peter, he, when he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners, it contained all kinds, come on, somebody say all kinds. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. 
Look at his response in verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And it says in verse 16, this happened, look at it, three times. This happened three times. Three times. How many of you guys get the impression that perhaps God was trying to make a point to Simon Peter? Has God ever had to tell you something more than once? So he says to Simon, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. What is God doing? He is working on Simon's, Simon Peter's mind, because in his mind, you don't eat anything that's unclean or impure. Why? Because he was a good Jew. He was a proud Jew. Even though this sheet comes down with all kinds of food on it, he's probably looking at it going, mm, I've never had a barbecue sandwich, but right now my mouth's starting to water just a little bit. I've never had any barbecue ribs, but I've heard a lot about them. I don't know if he's getting all worked up and just had a no, no, no. And then the voice says, Peter, get up, kill and eat. He's like, not me, Lord. Oh, no, I would never eat any of that stuff. I'm too strict of a Jew. I'm too good of a Jew. I wouldn't ever eat anything unclean. Have you ever had a friend who was a health nut and they were all proud and boastful about it? Have you ever had anybody like that? You know, you order your pizza or whatever you do and they're like, oh, no, that's good. And they pull out a Ziploc bag with four almonds. Have you ever seen anybody like that? You know, you get in the car, hey, where do you want to go to lunch? You're like, oh, I'm good. I had an avocado this morning. I'm okay. <laughs> you know, you're thinking about cheesecake for the dessert. They, they pull out a stick of celery. You know somebody like that? It's one thing if they're trying to be healthy, but it's another thing when they're all proud of it, right? And Simon Peter's like, oh, no, Lord, not me. No, I would never eat anything unclean. And yet God is saying to him, don't call unclean something that I have made clean. And then he goes on in the story and he says, next step, I want you to go to Cornelius' house. I want you to go to Cornelius' house and tell him about me. And Simon Peter had a problem with that because Cornelius was a Gentile. He can't go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, I mean, Gentiles, they're like unclean people. They're impure. They're not God-honoring. And I would never go into a house like that. I would never associate with anybody like that. And God says, refer back to rule number one. Never call unclean something that I have made clean. So he says, go on to Cornelius' house. So he obeys and he goes, and along the way, this is just going to be really, really interesting. I want you to see how he responds in Acts chapter 10, beginning with the, verse 34. It says, then Peter began to speak, and he said, I now realize. Pause for just a moment. I now realize. We're talking about Simon Peter who walked with Jesus. We're talking about Simon Peter who saw Jesus love on the most unlovely people that some thought unlovable. 
We saw Jesus care for those who had leprosy, and Jesus reached out to those who were ostracized. He saw Jesus do all these things. Same Simon Peter who in the book of Acts saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Same Simon Peter who preached and thousands were saved. Same Simon Peter who in Acts chapter 8, it says that he is aware of the fact that the Samaritans were being saved. And here we are in Acts chapter 10, and God is saying, go to Cornelius' house, the Gentiles' house. And he's like, what? Are you, what? Uh, Huh? And he gets there, and he goes, oh, Now I get it. Some of us are slow learners. Is this true? (laughs) Now I realize, he says, how true it is. Look at it, verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation. Somebody say every nation but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And then look at what happened next as Peter begins to share with them the story of the gospel of the Gentiles. It says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, those who were with Peter, those who were uh, followers of Jesus, and they had all of their rituals and routines, these circumcised believers who had come with Peter were, look at this word, astonished. I don't know if you underline or circle in your Bible. If you have one, that's an interesting one to look at because it says these other dudes with Peter who had come along with him, they were astonished at what? Why were they so astonished? Why were they so amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles? Come on. They could not believe it. They're like, Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah, dude, it's almost like God likes them too. I know, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) They couldn't believe it. Why was this such a head trip for them? Because these guys had spent all of their lives steeped in Jewish traditions, their minds shaped by legalistic, rule-following self-righteousness. They were committed to narrow-minded religious practices. They had very little tolerance for the Samaritans, and they had zero tolerance for the Gentiles. And now the unthinkable is happening. They're learning that God loves all people from all places, all personalities, all types, all kinds, that God's love goes everywhere. And these guys were going, can you believe that? We thought that we were the chosen people. We thought that we were the only people. We thought that we were, we thought that we were his favorite, but God is showing that here's who God loves. Everybody. He cares for everybody. And this is so much for them to try and process and handle, but it really became a game changer for the early church. And here's a few principles I want to share with you. Number one is this: God's grace is for everyone. God's grace is for everyone. How many of you in this room today are thankful that it wasn't just for a certain group of people? It wasn't for rich people. It wasn't for the elite people. It wasn't for the religious people, but it's for all people. I'm thankful. I mean, most of the people in this room right now 
we're all Gentiles, so I'm really glad that God was okay with this. Because without it, I never would have been reached. God's grace is for everyone. His word makes that crystal clear. Listen to Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Haven't you noticed that we're so quick to look through our own lens of life, our own perspective, and that can be such a trap for us? We need God to help us just like he helped Simon Peter. Because I look through my own two eyes. I process through my own mind. And I see the world through my framework or through just just my lens. And it shapes and taints. I need to be able to see the world through the eyes of God. How many of you have ever noticed this? That if if, uh, I make a mistake, it's a weakness. If I miss the park, park, it's a mistake. But if you do something wrong, it's a sin. Come on, have you guys ever noticed that before? That <laughs> we're so quick to be like that? I mean, if I miss the mark, I say, God's grace is greater. Yes, it is. But if you do it, I'm like, justice, judgment. Come on, wrath of God. <laughs> That's just how we naturally tend to think. We see everybody else's flaws, and we live in a culture. My word. We live in a culture that seems to be obsessed with fault finding. Have you noticed this? It's just crazy. It's like there are people who are just, hey, hey, over here, hey. That guy right there. I'm offended. Hey. And then when everybody said, you see what he did? He messed up. So addicted, we don't even see. We're so preoccupied with everybody else's mistakes that we miss out on the beautiful opportunity for God to work in my own heart and to make me more like Jesus instead of being preoccupied with everybody else's. So, my, my daughter Bria, she was with me at a wedding one day. Bria's just, she's just a hoot. I mean, she's just a lot of fun. We just have a blast. She just makes me laugh. And at that stage, especially, she had a little lisp going on. I loved it. She didn't like it. She was hoping she'd outgrow it. I was hoping she'd never outgrow it just because it was so cute. And whenever she'd get worked up with her animated personality, start talking fast, you know, and that little lisp was going, it was just a sight to behold. It was great. One day we're at this wedding. And it's one of those situations, you know, you're in a formal setting, so you're always hoping your kids are on best behavior. Well, I'm really hoping, like, come on, Jesus, like, with your help, we can do this. Bria's going to be behaving. It's going to be okay. And then the, the ceremony started, and the minister who was officiating the, 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 the wedding the ceremony, he had a lisp. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. It didn't take her long at all. I was like, Mm-mm. You know, as a parent, how you try and reach, reach over just kind of quietly, discreetly, just kind of squeeze their hand like, mm-mm, 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 like that. You don't communicate anything discreetly to Bria. I mean, it's just like full on or she's not getting it. So at one point she turns to me. She doesn't know the difference in an inside voice and outside voice. You know how you pick that up over time? Bria doesn't. She's just one loud. That's all that she has. So she turns to me. Dad, you hear that? He said, husband, husband, husband. I'm like. Everybody in the entire room, you know, just kind of snickering. I know the man heard it too. I know that he did. 
<laughs> husband. And what's hilarious about this is that she ha- he's saying it the same way she says it. And so after she said one more thing, like, ah, do you hear it? I said, yes, I did. He has a lisp and so do you, so stop it. I'm just like, don't you realize? Stop before you go spanking, okay? But it's just such a picture all of the, I'm okay. But you... It's just where we live. God's grace is for all of us. And I need to be more gracious. I need to be filled with more grace for other people, knowing that it's not just everything is according to my mind, according to my personality, according to my passions, according to my perspective. Listen how John described his vision of heaven in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. He says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that No one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That is not only a picture of heaven, that is a picture of the family of God. And thank the Lord that everybody does not look and act just like me. Come on, this is the family of God and the body of Christ. That's what it means to be at his family dinner table. Second thing is this, number two, our differences are meant to distinguish us, not divide us. Our differences are meant to distinguish us, not divide us. And what I mean by distinguish us is the fact that God wants there to be this beautiful picture of diversity to where we have different personalities, different talents, different gift sets, and all of this. And I've seen that and watched it in my own family with my children. I mean, I'm looking at it and going, how can you all come from the same parents and be so different? How can we raise you all the same way? And y'all are completely and totally different. So I asked my wife, Casey, to send me a picture, said, send me a picture uh, of the kids, like dressed up in their passion or personality. Just send it to me. And I just wonder what that would look like. Let me show you this picture. Here's what they sent. So you got Candace on the far left. She's a creative. You got Kelly Grace. She's an academic. You got Bria. That's Bria girl right there in the middle. She's an athlete. (laughs) Then you got next to Bria, you've got Allison who loves to dance. And then you've got Angel who loves to be a gymnast as well as a cheerleader. And then you got the champ, Jordan right there, who loves to be a cowboy. And can I just tell you, that's more than just a picture of of them dressed up according to passion. They're all so different, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. God created them with distinctions because they are special, fearfully, and wonderfully made by God and for God. And so what we're having to learn as a family, I'm learning as a dad, trying to teach them as children, is that God made you special for you to be you, but not so the world can revolve around you. So you don't despise the distinction, but you also don't allow the distinction to divide. Because when you get all those personalities together in a car for a road trip, hello, how many guys know you start praying for the rapture really, really quick? (laughs) 
So many different opinions, so many different thoughts, so many different ideas. Hey, guys, we're going to stop and get something. Dad, can we get tacos? No, I don't like tacos. Well, we had hamburgers. I don't like hamburgers. They're all going, man, we can't agree on where we're going, when we're stopping, where we're stopping, what we're going to eat. When we stop, it's like, oh, my goodness. So I've thought at times, Lord, do you know how much better it would have been if you would have just created us a little more alike? Like, God, if you had just made us, I mean, think about, Lord, the, the unity. Think about the harmony that we could have if you had made everybody a bit more, or like, specifically, a lot more, Lord, a lot more like me, Lord. If you could have just made every, Lord, do you realize what kind of marriage I would have if my wife just thought a little bit more like me? And I think God's going, yeah, that's why I didn't do it. You know, that's. <laughs> because we need one another. Our differences make us better. We're better together. Uh, we're better with our different person. We're better with our different passions. We're different with a, better with our, our, our different uh, perspectives and ideas and opinions when they come together. So I get it that there are going to be people who were not raised in church and they're going to think differently from people who were born and raised in church. There are people who are born in different parts of the world. People had a different upbringing, different family traditions, different values. All of those things come into play when it makes up who they are. The devil wants to use our differences to divide us, but God's plan is that it would not only bring us together, but it'd be a beautiful, complete picture when we all come together. So it's natural that we would feel some tensions about the differences, but by the grace of God, we will work through it and realize that it's never a political problem. It's a pride problem. It's not a skin problem. It is a sin problem. We've got to look at these things and realize that unless God helps change the way we view life, the way we process one another, we're going to be stuck to our limited, narrow-minded, self-centered perspective. Let me give you this third and this final point, and it's this. God wants his diverse people to live with a unified mission. God wants his diverse people to live with a unified mission. In other words, he doesn't want us in our differences all going all these different directions and that, that allowing division to get us off track and off mission because there's a world that is hurting, that is watching us and making a decision as to whether or not they want to join the family dinner table based off of how we interact with one another. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. Here's how the world's going to know that you're a follower of Jesus is by the way we love one another. And when we get divided and distracted and we're fighting with one another, there's not unity. There's not acceptance and a love for one another. We get off of mission and there's too much at stake for us to get off mission. I saw an article in Time Magazine and it had this article about a story from western Kansas, a farming area with just vast wheat fields. And it had a few different just pictures that kind of showed the progression of the story. 
The first one was just of this massive area of just a, a field full of tall wheat. Just showed the big picture of that. The next picture was of a mom in distress. And under that picture of the mom in distress, it was explaining the story of how her and her husband had a young boy who had wandered off and playing in the wheat field and had gotten lost. And they were calling out to him and trying to find him. They were both looking frantically and they couldn't find him. Finally, after spending the whole day and it became night, they had gotten so worried and so afraid, they, they started spreading the word. And first thing the next morning, all of the townspeople came together to help look and search for the young boy. And so they all linked arms, joined hands, and made a human chain. They started sweeping over the area of the wheat field. The last picture and caption was of the father holding the lifeless body of his dead son. The cold, cold night had taken a victim. The sad, haunting words ended the article where the father holding his son made the statement, if we had only joined hands sooner. If we had only joined hands sooner. And it makes me wonder what could happen in the family of God. What could happen in God's church if God would continue to use wonderful places like our church family to come together from all different walks of life, from all different upbringings, from all different points of view and passions and talents and abilities, but we all come together with one heart and one mission, and that is to tell the world about the love of God before it's too late. May God help us to see his family dinner table the way he sees it. And may God enable us and empower us to be the witnesses that will tell the world about how great it is to be at the Father's table. And may our lives compel them to come and join the dinner because of how Jesus is working in our lives. Let's pray together.